This lights out, and away we go. Welcome to an American's Guide to Formula One. Now let's start the show. Let's start the show indeed. We're back with another episode of An American's Guide to Formula One. I'm Andy Lewis, your main host, joined via the telephone by Papa T-Sauce, a.k.a. Spicy mm. Ketchup, a.k.a. Tim Lewis, our other co-host. Hey, Dad, how you doing? Hey, I'm uh, doing pretty good for just having a, a dental thing happen this oh, morning. brother. I'm stopped drooling on myself. Half and your face is, can you feel your face again? Getting there. Getting there? No, getting there, you bet. So. Well, glad you're, I can hear you fine. You don't sound. I live to tell about it. Yeah, I live to tell about it. Well, we're here with a, a race recap episode for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. This is the the full Grand Prix not to be confused with the sprint race from which we've already discussed in our previous episode, uh, which was the race preview slash sprint slash sprint shootout. Um, so if you want to hear more about that, go ahead and listen to that episode. But this will be the race recap episode for the, the full Grand Prix, which, if I'm honest, it was a little bit of a letdown, would you not say, Father? The Azerbaijan Grand Prix 2023. Yeah, I'm. It wasn't really spicy, but I think but, that's that's only because the previous years have just been out of this world. And I still enjoyed myself. I didn't fall asleep, which is what sometimes happens in really boring races, mm-hmm. uh, especially when they're early morning like that. Um, so that I mean it was good enough to keep me going. I think the the drama between Sergio and Max, which we'll get to, uh, was enough. It was enough to keep me going. There's just enough, and I think I just really could watch them that helicopter shots around Azerbaijan all day and just watch those cars. Like I I was I just think it's such a cool track. It's such a it looks like such a cool city. I real I like literally was googling flights prices to. To Baku, it's a long flight, newsflash. <laughs> and <laughs> it, quite expensive, too. I thought it'd be cheaper. But uh, definitely somewhere I will go in my life. I really want to see that city and walk that walk that track or drive that track. It would be really cool. Uh, but I think just the – I just really like the Azerbaijan Grand Prix enough that I don't think I, I really minded the lack of um, – craziness and and excitement that we shoot even saw in the shootout or in previous grand prix but um, right was still a good a good grand prix and then preparing for the race or for the podcast today i uh i watched the highlights and i was like oh yeah there was i remember this there was quite a bit going on still actually so we have plenty to talk about um but yeah i i'm uh, I, I enjoyed it what about you pops yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I could come to appreciate it a lot more after I listened to a couple of race analyses, one by Peter Windsor and another by Julian Palmer. Yeah. Um, that sort of exposed some things of Red Bull strategy and mm. pray uh, tell. that pray tell. Well, yeah. Um, with the when DeVries 
hit the wall and in lap 10. Yeah. And um, where they bought, brought Max in for a, a pit stop under yellow flags. Yeah. Sector flags. Yeah. Um, he was pointing out that uh, it became evident early on that by just looking at uh, DeVries' car, the way his suspension was damaged, he was not going to drive that car home into yeah. the pits. And that the only way was to get uh, stewards out on the track. And then the other thing was is that once you saw how the suspension was damaged that and he couldn't back up, he turned the car off. Yeah. And so he claimed that they brought Verstappen in prematurely. Who is this? Who is he? Julian Palmer. Okay. And you're um, saying that Red Bull made a mistake by pitting Verstappen. They should have. They should have. Well, without looking at the evidence of the the um, the the crash, DeVries yeah. is hitting the wall and seeing how. First of all, they should have noticed that the way the suspension was damaged and the front wheel was cocked, he wasn't going to drive it. When back you, to the pits. When you saw the replay, it was it was definite that that car was. That, I mean, you you could see in the in the replay when they finally showed it, he broke the suspension almost instantaneously. Yeah, and Which so by not is also why he yeah. was parked at such an angle is he couldn't turn he couldn't turn the steering right. wheel couldn't turn the car right, and the, the back half of the car was well the back third of the car was still on the track so let me so, so just before this before we hopped on i was looking at tiktok and i saw the formula bone j bone i know we've referenced mm -hmm. him before he's he's a funny guy i really like his tiktoks and stuff um but he had a he has a conspiracy thing that he does where he puts it like a tinfoil hat on his head <laughs> and he's like does these conspiracies his conspiracy was that Red Bull did that on purpose because they could see from the data that um, Checo was going to pass Max, that he was just more confident. He calls him the street, the key, uh, street king or king of the street circuits um, because he's only one on street circuits. I don't know if you've noticed. That. Right. But um, then that to save Max the blow and like not have to like justify that or like deal with that that they pitted him they're like oh here's a good chance to pit and then it, and then they blew it and then they could blame it on the fact that they pitted and it ended up they get it was a bad break that they got the safety car deployed but i don't think it was a bad break i think it i think if you would have there's and there's no way that red bull doesn't have somebody just monitoring every team's car radio, you know, or watching every oh, team's yeah. on board. They have enough people on staff, enough strategists. And you're telling me that an experienced Formula One eye couldn't see that that suspension was broken the second it moved away from the wall? Because I could, and I'm just yeah. a fan. You're right. So I don't... And, uh, and shortly thereafter, he's removing the steering wheel to get out of the car. Well, yeah, because it's not going and... anywhere without being on a crane. That car wouldn't even roll. Right. 
No. And so that was, they, they thought that, uh, irregardless of conspiracy theories, yeah. they should have uh, just let him make another go around and then, um, and see where, how things played out because it was very obvious. Well, let's seconds after the, after the crash yeah. that there was going to be a safety car. So let's, then, let's save our Perez max discussion for a little bit later on, because I want to, I want to dangle it for the, for the listeners um, and kind of go through our, some, some of the other talking points that we usually do um, going backwards through the order of the, of the finishing grid. Um, there's not going to be a lot that I want to, uh, there's not a lot to talk about amongst the others. Um, so we'll just kind of blow through these kind of quickly. Um, I thought it was Alex Albon just kind of caught some bad breaks and he really, I was expecting to see him in the points. I jumped all the way to 12th if you didn't catch that. <laughs> um, but um, great point score for Sonoda again. I feel like yeah. Sonoda's looking. He's he's rising to the challenge of Gasly leaving that team. I think way better than I was expecting him to. Um, and I think if they can just get some upgrades and get a little bit faster car, a little bit better car under their belt, um, I would love to see Sonoda. You know, mixing up with the likes of Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri the rest of the season. Shoot, George Russell is down there in eighth, you know? Yeah. A real bad, not a great weekend for, for George after the sprint. The sprint was the highlight of his weekend. Yeah. Um, man, uh, speaking of George Russell, did I ha we have to bring up the, the Max baby incident again because Morris come <laughs> out. I guess in Dutch media, he called him Princess George or Prince George or something like that. And yeah. like, I don't know about you, but I was listening to like all the podcasts and stuff and I have not met a single person that's not a Max fan, but like just an actual pundit or fan or somebody looking at that incident that thinks that it was anything other than a racing incident. Uh, and I think the fact that Max is making such a big deal about this is just absurd because I know we said we were going to wait to talk about this, but I just want to point it out that that Max and Checo finished 21 seconds ahead of the next car. 21 seconds. So what the mm -hmm. hell are you doing trying to go the outside on a street circuit on lap one, turn one, cold tires, cold brakes, and you, you're taking the risky line. You're going to the point like out of your way to be in a dangerous situation in that when you have a car that is on an, on a soft estimate, six tenths a lap faster than the next closest car. Why do you not just, why do you just, just back out? Just wait, wait for two laps. You'll have DRS and you don't even need the DRS to pass these other cars as we saw in this race. So I just, I'm, it, it's like, I never, I, it's like, I want to give Max the benefit of the doubt. I know I, I down talk him quite a bit on this on this podcast. And then there's sometimes where he, he surprises me and says some things that I really agree with and I think he's fine. But then he does so many things like this that just make him look like a whiny little spoiled baby mm -hmm. who, can, who can drive really well. 
I'll always, I'll always balance it because he is a great driver. But it's just like, there's no way I could ever get behind him as a fan because he's such. He just, it's like picking up a well, slimy toad, man. It's just well, this this race may have exposed something about Max is that he may be a good driver, but he's kind of one dimensional. He needs um, he needs things to be like he's his just way. a whole. He's like whole hog or nothing. Yeah, it's like my way and, or the highway. And he's not a. He doesn't appear to be an adaptable driver. No. And when you listen to the Peter Windsor post race analysis, he explains why, even without, I mean, Julian Palmer and Peter Windsor thought that because of the way Perez drive was driving, adapting to the race course, that he probably still would have won the race, irrespective of the safety car. Well, okay, we'll save it, save he it. He was save that it, much faster. Save it, save it, save it, save it. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. I just want to touch on everything because I want to end on that. Well, I was, just, I, was just, I was just teasing. I know, but you can also hear – well, no, I'll save it to you. Okay, we're going to get to it. We're, I have so much to say on that because I agree. You're the one who brought it up, you dork. Okay, we did get to see quite a good little tussle with uh, Stroll and Russell kind of the whole race. They were going back and forth. Uh, Russell got the jump. Um, on the start, uh, or or Stroll got the jump on the start, lost out to Russell on the pit and the safety car thing, but then um, nice little move from Stroll, uh, taking that position back and holding on to it for the rest of the race. Uh, also, I wanted to highlight that Stroll also hit the wall, the exact same wall, the exact same way that DeVries did, and that Aston Martin didn't break again. Like, this is just the current, like, they really, a little bit, I don't know. I can't remember, honestly. We'll have to look into it. It's more of a forgiving It's definitely more forgiving than than Baku or Monaco or Jeddah. Yeah. I think there's more, it's not as, it's not an actual street. I don't, you know, so there's there's more leniency in where we can, they can put the barriers. Yeah. and then briefly again touching on on uh, Fernando Alonso, who was um, just like he, he at the end, I think I remember toward the later stages of the race where he was um, to, like, okay, I'm going for it kind of now. And I think it, his gap went from something like seven seconds down to one second over the lap mm-hmm. following the – the stages of that race and it's and I, I was going to bring this up earlier but I'm say I was saving it for now is that back in the beginning of the race when when Stroll appeared to be faster than Alonso and they had their bromance moment or bonus moment is my conspiracy corner um is you you could hear and I think some um Karun or whoever was the one of the pundits for the race this weekend crafty or was saying um, he's planning out the rest of that race now. We're talking like opening laps of the race. He's looking at his tires, at the strategy, at the what's going to go down. He's planning it all out for that end. Like he knows that his car is not at its fastest. They out. They were. They didn't do well in qualifying, so they're going to have to make that up with good, quick, decisive overtakes when they're possible. 
and or strategy and tire offset to to catch you know knowing that the ferraris are going to have severe dag that if he can just hold off that they might be able to pass in the later stages of the race and he was darn close i think two or three more laps he would uh alonzo would have been that would have been the the another consecutive podium for fernando alonzo but i think they just just flat out ran out of time um but to bring oh yeah i think so that's what the talk is go ahead sorry no that was what you know just a few more laps might have been enough for fernando to Overtake Just Leclerc. A little more straight line speed, a little bit less draggy of a car, I think. Yeah. Um, and maybe, or, and, or maybe that was the, the brilliance of bringing that Baku spec wing for Ferrari, as that, that saved them the podium, that gave them that, that podium. Um, because I think their normal wing, it, it could have, that could have been the deficit right then. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, another, another fact that I, that came up is that this is another Leclerc podium, but not win, which is his 19 to five or something like that. His conversion from pole position to, to win. And then the Mm -hmm. really crazy fact is Checo has won the same amount of races from pole or like, all of all of Checo's <laughs> wins have come from Leclerc poles, so they have the same pole to win rate, like conversion. It's four four or something like. That. It's like yeah. I forget the exact specific, but like it's like basically if you're on a street course and Leclerc gets pole, bet on 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 Checo to win the race. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, That's pretty good. Okay, let's let's dig in to Perez and um, Verstappen because I too, we I I I will entertain no argument saying that this isn't an on merit win for Perez. I will entertain no argument. No one can tell me that Checo only won this Grand Prix because of that safety car. I will not hear it. I because at, you're not the only one. At no point. This is this is this is my one argument to that. There was at no point during that race where um it ever seemed under threat once he once Max got back in second place, he not 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 ever once did he come even close to DRS range. On Checo, couldn't get, could not get it within DRS, and finished ended up finishing two seconds off of him. And any time Max would make a move, put some time, Perez was right there in it. Responded, they were going, they were trading fastest laps, um, back and forth until Russell came in and pitted and got tires. Mm-hmm. Um, and. The, my other thing is, is you go back to the opening stint where Max was ahead, Perez was steadily gaining on him to the point where they pulled him, they, when they were pulling into the pits, if they wouldn't have, I think Perez was going to go for it. And B, Max was sweating the whole time. 
Go back and listen to Max's onboards when he's talking about tires. He is flustered. He's agitated. He's shouty. He's talking about how he's sliding around. And we're talking, this was lap 13. He's like, I'm sliding. I'm sliding. I can't. You know, he's doing his normal Max, like, fix it. Make it right. You know, like, that's the tone I, I hear from him. And mm-hmm. all the time, you not one did not one time hear the same from Perez. Not once. And and he's steadily gaining on him. I I am firmly believing in my head that um Perez was would have caught Max on track and probably would have been able to overtake him. I think there is a a, a fire in that in that guy, in that Mexican's heart that is saying, Not this year. Not this year. Uh well, yeah. It's just, can yeah. he do it? Can he sustain it? Well, well, time will tell, that's for sure. But that's where I thought Peter Windsor's analysis of Perez made the race more real um, and caused me to really think that Perez is going to win that race irrespective of a safety car or not. And what Windsor was saying is that, you know, everybody knows that Perez is the master of tire. um, um, What do I want to say? Tire Uh, conservation. Conservation, preservation. And that's because of his uncanny ability to have this incredible throttle management out of turns it's like he's got this connection between his brain and his foot where he's got like traction control yeah he knows just how much to get the max maximum amount of uh grip coming out of a corner without overcooking the tires and that's where peter was saying that he owns sector one yeah and he, because that's the curvy part, and he managed to not cook his tires so that he could maintain um, the speed, the quickness that he had in sector one to carry over into sector two. And it's like, uh, but Max, again, this is like talking about a one dimensional. Um, not a versatile or adaptable kind of driver where he was cooking his tires in sector one and he had not enough grip in sector two to make any difference on, on Checo. I had that there's, there's some, there's some inherent setup issues with the, the RB. What is this? 23, 19 RB 19. Sorry. Is it 19 or 18? I, I don't know. It, this year's Red Bull that yeah. that has lost some of that really bitey front end um, that you hear them were, were meaning that on entry the front bites and it's it's very turny and the opposite would be kind of a looser rear where you get a little bit more oversteer in the rear which I guess Perez prefers a more oversteery less bitey front end car. And I guess this year specifically, 
over more than any other year, even more than last year when Perez had some of that advantages early on in the year. Um, it's just kind of a baked-in feature of the car that that is a little bit more leveling to the two drivers. It's not so bitey um, as well, it has, which I, is what Max prefers and kind of asks for. And I think it, it's something to do with the arrow and, and stuff that they, they just can't give Max as bitey of a front-end car. And I think maybe that aligned with this outrageous speed deficit that is what's giving Perez this confidence boost to like go, hey, buddy, let's be real. Before you got this seat, like he must be looking in the mirror and going, before I had this seat, I didn't have a drive. This year is the year of all years that because we're there's because Red Bull is so far, so much faster than the rest of the field right now. There's more room for the team to let them race each other because Perez knows he's the number two driver, just like Rosberg knew he was the number two driver to Hamilton. And when you're in a nail-biter, touch-and-go championship race with another team, they're for sure going to tell you to sit down and let Max score the points. Like that, that's just the, that's just smart. They want to win the championship more than they want to see you win the championship. Um, but when you're what already a hundred points or whatever ahead of the next the the team, um, I'm gonna get to it. Constructors. Oh, I guess they're. Oh yeah, it. Red Bull has a hundred and eighty points. Right now, to Aston Martin's 87. The world yeah. title, the constructor is, like, barring catastrophic, c- catastrophe, Red Bull's going to win both championships this year. Like, we know that. I think it's pretty evident. Um, but definitely constructors. So what I'm saying is when, they have, when you have that much of a dominant card, they're going to let the two... Like, that's what I think we were all excited to see, actually, is that going into the race, the Red Bull drivers had a you're free to race license, basically. We're not going to order anything. Um, and that's because they're so far ahead in the championship. And so I think knowing that, knowing the, the bias of the car, like this is, this is, there's never been a more opportune time to see Checo put a title fight. And I mean, really, he's, Six points behind in the world championship right now, and they're only, mm-hmm. and that's only because of some little things. He could be leading it, you know, or close to leading it. I, I'm just this is this is the thread that I'm tugging at for the rest of the season. I just want to see Perez hang on to it. I want to see this drive. Like I want to see a couple of these like more little breaks, these little ruffles with Russell that mess up. Max and get under his skin and Perez just stays cool and like and like stays quick and stays consistent because that's all he needs to do is just stay stay in it just be like Rosberg if I if I was Perez I'd be going back and studying the Rosberg uh title year and just what do I got to do and just be relentless because this is the best chance he's gonna get I think and you keep putting in performances like that 
weekends like that, and it's it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. Which will be very, very cool. I'm I'm here for it. I'm all. Oh, for yeah. this. I'm all. I'll buy. I'll start buying Checo merch just to wear in front. Of <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey. Hey. What? What? What was the? What was the deal with the pit fiasco? Oh my gosh! Good thing you were. Are we going to talk? We have to. What the hell? Well, okay. So they left. It was Ocon. My what a what a weekend Alpine had. I the most they had. Uh, Gasly's car caught on fire in free practice, which left them not having running. They found some sort of malfunction in the assembly of the transmission in Ocon's car, so they didn't run his car in practice to to fix it. So that means that the sprint was the most on-track data that they had the weekend so far. <laughs> yeah. And then they run a weird tire strategy. They they or the, they'd run the hards to start, and they're going to go long and hopefully catch a break, but. With that safety car timing, um, they couldn't pit because they were on the hards. It would make no sense to their strategy to pit at lap 13 when you have hards. And then they're looking at the history of Azerbaijan, Baku circuit, that there's going to be another safety car. Let's just gamble for that, hold out for that right. safety car because we would lose all the track position we gained by doing this hard compound strategy. And then no safety car came. And so you're left down to the very last lap where you got a pit. And by then, photographers and reporters and stuff are already, you know, because most most races, by then, everybody's, the pit, pit windows have closed, everything, and then this is a kind of normal procedure. But, like, nobody just remembered that Ocon hadn't pitted yet. And so he's coming into the pits and there's people in a barricade standing uh standing right in the pit lane entry so that's what happened <laughs> uh it was quite quite a quite a crazy um timeout quite quite a crazy uh um end to the race and made for a very, some very dramatic pictures yeah, hey, time out. My phone dropped off for about fifteen seconds there. So, well, you'll just you'll just uh, have missed my explanation, but you can rest oh, okay. assured that it was quite thorough and 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 beautiful. <laughs> and you can just go and listen to that part of the podcast. Golly, I tell you, God, the it. commentators, the commentators just went. Okay, I'll I'll dial in. Um, commentators went ape on that said what a what a disaster what a yeah talk about you know like what a what a taste to leave in someone's mouth at the end of a race yeah <laughs> it was, I, I mean, mean that was bad bongo i think it would have been much more it would have been a lot worse if it would have been for an actual position but he was going to finish dead last no matter what but i think it's just you know it it's uh it's a safety issue for sure. And they got it. There's been a couple of these issues that have creeped up 
um, where they're just they just need to tighten up some some procedural things because that definitely shouldn't happen. Um, so, yeah. Uh, last last words to you, Pop. Anything you wanna wanna shout out or do um, about the Azerbaijan race, Baku? Nope, I think we covered it pretty. Yeah, it was a. It was, you know, kind of more. There's more to it than I thought. Yeah. Well, we got talking about it and did some research, and uh, so here we come back, coming to coming to America. Yeah, we'll uh, and the 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 parking lot of Miami. Hopefully, yeah. it won't be underwater. <laughs> But stay tuned for well, a you know. race preview episode to follow shortly, hopefully. Um, and don't yeah, forget see, to... Tomorrow is, yeah, tomorrow is free practice one at noon, I think. So yeah. We'll, well don't forget happens. to uh, subscribe or follow us on Instagram. Uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really does um, help boost us and get more ears listening. Um, and if you could rate us and give us a review and just give us some feedback, we're always open and love to hear it. And it also really does help, um, help the podcast. So please go in and leave us, leave us some kind words if you'd be so kind. Um, yeah. Or oh, you're really something kind to kind and catastrophic cat- catastrophe. Catastrophe TCCs. <laughs> Okay, Dad. We almost forgot about our race predictions. We have to, we have to keep ourselves accountable here. I was, yes. I was close, but someone's closer. <laughs> <laughs> I said that it was going to be. You mean, you mean the, the someone who so happens to be the 2022 An American's Guide to Formula One grid rival champion, reigning champion. It's I'm com- we're coming. Reigning, me and Maddie will reigning champion coming for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I said that <laughs> Checo would win, Leclerc would come in P two, and Verstappen would come in P three. So I mixed up the Verstappen Leclerc, but you said and accurately predicted that it would be Checo P one, Verstappen P two. Leclerc P three, you got it. Oh, I did. I did nail that Alonzo would come in P four, which I did get yeah. correct. But I also said that at least one Red Bull would have would, or at least one Williams was going to be in the points, and neither of them were. <laughs> but you also said that Piastri was going to sneaky sneak into the points, and he was just shy. So, yeah, but I think I. Said something along the lines that it could be P10 plus one. Oh, yeah, P10 plus one. The, the some, plus one was just like fi- in fine print is all. <laughs> all right. Well, I think you did excellent. I did pretty well. I think we're on a – yeah. we have a pretty good record here. But we'll, yeah, we uh, do. We'll see how we do in Miami. All right. Miami, yes, too far. we will. Bye. Yo.